Hey, current and future onophiles. This is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And we are the, the Bottle Blondes. We think wine's delicious, but we also know that it can be pretty overwhelming to try and learn about all the different grapes, the regions, even the way it's made. We use our love of wine and our background in improv comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable, because we are learning about it too. They say in improv, mistakes are gifts, and oh boy, are we going to make some mistakes. So thank you for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and on SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. That's blonde with an E, like in wine. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine at vineyards and whatnot, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Once again, that's blonde with an E. And if you want us to visit your winery or bottle shop, you can email us at bottleblondeswine at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Carmichael, I am a media studies professor at the University of New Mexico. Uh, yes. I am still in Yes, current. I, current. Love, I love how you still rub it in. Yes, I. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long, long career, mm-hmm. mm, full of, full of learning. I'm. I'm also enjoying my time at the community college now. It's oh. just as just as important as a real university. Yes. I'd like to point out. I, it, it very much is. It is a good place for. A, Young professionals to go when they are seeking part-time education. Or, you know, uh, full-time sometimes as well, but, you know, that's semantics. Uh, Anyway, uh, we are here today because Adrian and Hallie uh, were both some of our students. Yes. And they've been very busy with work and and weddings and and sickness and and all the likes of things. All kinds of things that crop up within two young women's lives. Um... They uh, they have quite quite a lot of obligations, and we we decided to step in for them because they're two of our favorite students. Exactly, uh, and uh, so yeah, we are here as the bottle blondes. <laughs> it's so funny because you're going bald, Jeffrey. <laughs> it's so funny indeed because of that. <laughs> well, you know when you have more stress in your career. Tends to lose, lead to hair loss. So I've I've read, I've read mm-hmm. in Reader's Digest. Yes. Uh, so today uh, we are going to be talking about uh, uh, what Bordeaux. Uh, you're kidding me. Yes. No, I'm not. No. Why would I kid you? Oh, that's incredible. I I came to this podcast also wanting to talk about Bordeaux. Oh, well, we are in luck. This is. Uh, <laughs> A couple of things is uh, Bordeaux is mostly known as a as a region, but yes. it's thrown around very loosely as a as a type of wine, and so sometimes you're going to be seeing uh, you know you'll get something from California that says Bordeaux on the label. Yeah, Bordeaux blend, something of that sort. But you can also refer to wine. You hear wine referred to as a Bordeaux or 
the Bordeaux, which would be the region of Ex Bordeaux. Exactly. Otherwise, the Bordeaux blend is typically uh, Sauvignon, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, yes. uh, Merlot, yes. uh, Petit Verdot, yes. uh, Malbec, Correct. Uh, and I believe two others. Cabernet Franc. Cab Franc, yes. And um, Mal no, you said Malbec already. One moment, I do have it in my notes. Carmenere is the is the one that we often forget about. Yes. Uh, so mostly for uh, intensive purposes of today's podcast. We are going to uh, be covering mostly the region in France of Bordeaux. Of Bordeaux. Uh, so I guess let's get started with a little bit of uh, just basics. Basics about Bordeaux. You know, Bordeaux is a very small region, but however, it grows an incredible amount of red wine. It is 90% red wine, red wine grapes. And... Um, you know, Bordeaux are so famous and so highly regarded that some of them can fetch all the way up to $1,500 a bottle, which, you know, may not be so affordable, John, for some people. Uh, it's just, um, <clears throat> I would just, it's John Michael, it's its family name. Oh, I apologize. I just, I say apologize. it together, Jeff, John. that'd be great. It's Jeffrey. Jeffrey, yes. Yes. Basically, when we get down to the brass tacks of the geography, the Bordeaux is split into two banks. banks. The left bank and the right bank. That's right. And, and they are separated by the, the river. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. No. no. I'm, so, no. I'm sorry. Oh, I no. bet that you have the more under better understanding of, of the pronouncement of this river. Gironde. Gironde. That could also be wrong, though. Oh, I, what what did you have written down? Um, I had Gironde. Oh, great. okay. Okay. And um, I, it's it's actually three rivers. Oh, yeah, three rivers: the Gironde, the Dordogne, and the Garonne. Mm, that's mm, right. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, the river Garonne is like the estuary for the other two smaller yes, rivers. Correct. The more south you go. So uh, the city of Bordeaux is on the uh, southwestern part of the country of France, closer to the Atlantic Ocean. Southwest, is that right? I believe you're correct. Yes. I'm going to refer to my map. I know it is in the southwest region. Southwest, but yes, it's, uh, it's close to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, it's a region of uh, one of the many wine regions of France, which is kind of very, so much water. So much water. The ocean, the rivers, they're all just right there. It's quite a famous region of France and um, some of the most highly regarded wines in the world come uh, from this region. Yeah, I would say uh, one of the names that comes to mind is it was Chateau Lafitte. Oh, yes. Uh, Chateau Rothschild. Uh, Hot Brion mm -hmm. is another one. That's yes, at the uh, right bank. Um, so... Because we are fair and we didn't want to overwhelm ourselves, we have, we've split the banks amongst ourselves. Absolutely. So uh, my my project this week was the left bank. Yes, the more famous of the banks, but not always the most, let us say, humble of banks. That is true. So uh, basically, wines from the left bank uh, are going to be more Cabernet Sauvignon driven. Uh, with Merlot as a secondary, and wines from the white right bank 
Wines from the right bank are going to be more Merlot heavy with a secondary of Cabernet Franc or Cabernet Sauvignon. And the reason for that is the uh, left bank has more pebbly uh, limestone. Not limestone. Somewhere around here. Where are my notes? Where are your notes? You are always such a poor note taker. Uh, here we go. Uh, yes, there's more free-draining soils, such as gravel and sand on the left bank, uh, which is more favorable to Cabernet Sauvignon, and left has more uh, clay, which is more favorable to Merlot. So that's why they are grown, where they are grown. Oh, it's quite interesting that soil tells us so much. A story. It does, it does. Yes. Reminds me, reminds me of, it was the Cone concert, 1975, Keith Jarrett. Germany and I was in I spent all my money on that trip because I just love Keith Jarrett so much he's a jazz pianist and while there was no lyrics the chords his fingers ran up and down across told me a story of, of a beautiful woman on a horse she was coming to me because I she knew that I was the one for her anyway it was a sad and beautiful day all at the same time mostly because I I've never been married um, but, you know, I could be like Jeff over here, and what wife are you on, Jeff? Three? <clears throat> it's Jeffrey. It's Jeffrey, and yes, um, I have, uh, married my third wife, final wife. I might remind you that one of mine passed. I, yes, I, I apologize. Um, yes, um, but Myrtle. Didn't she pass after the divorce, though? Doesn't matter what time she passed. However, we must think of her fondly as she is somewhere deep in hell right now. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Harsh harsh feelings toward Caitlin, apparently. <coughs> yes, uh. Myrtle is is much much nicer. <laughs> much much more gentle. I've I have met her on occasion. She she is quite lovely. Uh, Alright, so the main uh, regions on the left bank are the Madoc, uh, Graves, and Saturnay. Uh, so there is a classification uh, called the 1855, and there are uh, little appellations within the region yes. of uh, the Madoc particularly. What you might in the United States refer to as... AVAs. Yes, exactly. This is an equivalent. Yes, this is an equivalent of the AVAs. And there, um, these are some oh, of the most... printouts. Good for you. Oh, you know I love my paper. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> you never right. modernized, did you? <laughs> no, I never did. I still have a flip phone. <laughs> so, uh, 15% of Bordeaux vineyards are actually in the Madoc. Uh, this is a beautiful area. So it's, beautiful. it's along the river. They have uh, 600 castles. Um, 600. 600 castles. That's incredible. It is. So the main region, the main appellations of the Madoc are, and I know this is a little confusing, but the Madoc itself. It's yes. kind of like there's a New York, New York. Correct. Uh, it's at the very top It is at the, the region. very top. And then uh, going from north to south, after we have Madoc, and then we have, that is actually 34% of that, oh, excuse me, not 34. <clears throat> there's 440 winemakers in Madoc. Next we have St. Esticity. I definitely mispronounced that, and I apologize. I it's believe it's Saint. Saint. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt. Saint Estef. Estef. Saint Estef. But isn't it? If you look at the map, 
did you see this little part poking out at the top? Yes. And that is the hot madoc. Yes, the hot madoc, yes. Uh, they are also uh, in there as well. Uh, the the Poilac, the Saint Julien, the Lestrat Madoc, the Moulet, and the Margot. Uh, the main ones being Margot, uh, I believe, the Saint Estefi, and the Poilac. Uh, so these are all very, these are the prestigious uh, wineries uh, of, of, uh, of the Madoc. And it's going to be a lot of. Uh, Black fruits, mm. uh, plum, currant, uh, cho- you know, baking spices, blackberries, roasted coffee, uh, dark, rich, sumptuous flavors. Yes, very dark, uh, but also more more earthy. So this region uh, is also uh, this is the only um, bank that actually has a uh, white wine. Uh, oh yes, the ten remaining percent of grapes. Exactly. Remember that the first ninety are all red. Yes, the first ninety are all red. Uh, and what you're going to have here are uh, Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Muscadel, oh. and I believe there's a couple other approved white grapes yes. in this as well. There's seven varietals permitted total. Uh, the first three are the most widely known and planted and uh, drank. When you think of a white Bordeaux, you think of a Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc blend. But there's also Ugni Blanc, which is, uh, that sounds crazy. Uh, a Colombard, a Merlot Blanc, which I would love to get my hands on oh. if maybe one of my students is thinking of a Christmas gift this holiday season and they happen to come across a Merlot Blanc, uh, they can think of me. And uh, last but not least is a Sauvignon Gris. The last four that I mentioned are used in relatively inexpensive wines. So when I suggest and, you know, drop these things to my students, I'm not trying to put them out, you know, out of, you know, sorts. I'm I'm just merely dropping hints. Oh God, you you love you do love a good gift from a student. I really do, even it's though it's against university policy because <laughs> it could be construed as a bribe for good grades. <laughs> oh, oh, it's funny. It's fun. Yes. Uh, so today, um, you know, we'll probably as we drink the wine, maybe uh, some more details will come up uh, regarding the left bank. Yes. Uh, but I would like to just—I would like to get into some wine. Oh, we're not. I guess we'll go into the right bank when we taste the right bank oh. later. I—we I, of course you may presume. I mean, proceed. Are you sure? I yes. You know what? You deserve to go first. Oh! Oh, okay. Don't give me any small favors. Absolutely not. Go ahead. I don't want to stop your, um, you know, your, uh, words. I'm just, I'm just on a roll over here. You're on a roll. I don't Um, want to stop your momentum. Frankly, you know what? Would, um, um... Would someone stop the momentum of a, an improvised jazz set? No. You're right. No. No. I must allow you to continue. I'm like... I apologize. Like, I apologize, John Michael. Oh, th- thank you, John. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, 
Because this is a special. This is a, this is the uh, this is a Margot. Uh, we, oh, beautiful! A Margot from the uh, the Chateau d'Anglade. So, what does the Margot mean? Is that a, the region? That's the appellation. Yes, the appellation. that's a, one of the appellations in the Medoc. Excellent. Uh, it's a beautiful label. Well, thank you so much. Um, so, Margot is actually uh, pretty flat, so there's not uh, quite as much drainage as yeah, you would like expect my from other wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chantel was sweet. <laughs> yes. Oh, but it, uh, yes, Mar- Margot is the third lady in Appalachian uh, in the Madoc. So, um, this is a uh, 25-year-old vines, 12 months in the barrel, uh, 30% of which is new oak, which means mm-hmm. it's going to impart some flavor. Uh, this is a uh, this is at a an area that has gravelly rumps of Tyrian gravel. Rumps. Uh, so the yeah. So the soil is very pebbly. Allows for more free drainage, uh, equaling more tannin. Um, so what I you are supposed to expect in this one is uh, raspberry, cherry, floral spices. But when I had when I tasted it the other day, I got more of the classic things that you're going to get in a uh, Bordeaux blend, which is cedar, cocoa. Um, some red black fruit flavors as well. Wow, this is um smells complex and old like a like a library. It's beautiful. Yes. Uh, it's a 2014. Mm, that is a wonderful year globally for good vintages. Yes. Warm weather, ripe fruit. Mmm. Very tannic still. I did. Very sumptuous. What's the uh, breakdown of the the blend? You know, don't mind me asking. I was looking for it um, on the website and I could not uh, find it. All I could really uh, discern from the website is that they grow forty six percent Cab, forty one percent Merlot, and thirteen percent Petit Verdot. Oh good. We'll assume that it's some blend of those three. And we'll also assume that because it is from the left bank, that it is going to be more Cabernet driven. Uh, So yes, the Margot is a soil of some of the lightest in the Medoc. it's often described sometimes, or according to this lovely lady, she wrote this amazing, very amazing book, Karen McNeil, the Karen wine, McNeil, the wine bible, uh, that it's like an iron fist in a velvet glove. Fascinating. And I felt, I feel like Charlie Parker, who's a famous saxophonist. Yes. He, he was like an iron fist in a velvet glove. He hit those notes so hard, but with such a smooth sensuality that you. Couldn't help falling for the bird. That was his. That was his jazz nickname, the bird. The bird. Well, I don't feel like a bird drinking this. No, I feel more like a like a meaty roast or mm, steak and like something umptious. Yes, marrow and yes, a, gl- a nice glaze. Maybe some some roasted uh, root root vegetables on the side. Yeah, so like some honey, yeah, some like honey glazed carrots with a mm. with a with a mushroom drenched filet mignon. This is delightful. This is quite unctuous. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I I think I'll because I have a little bit of a beefier beefier uh, part of the region here. Uh, why don't we hop over to the to the right bank? I would like to... Uh, already? Oh, right. I think we should 
I think it's fun to bounce back and forth. Bounce back and forth. Okay, well, we'll come back to the next one. Okay, absolutely. Well, the right bank uh, is the is the not quite as widely known region as the left bank, or maybe quite, not quite as famed, but it does have quite a few of its own quirks and beautiful pieces of personality. A lot of the um, the growers in these regions tend to be uh, smaller productions to be more humble and uh, the families who own the wineries tend to be the ones working the vineyards so you know you don't get that deep pretension that you do in the left bank uh you're going to be seeing mostly merlot is going to be the the most widely planted and most widely blended grape over here and um just to let you know a little bit more about the region and the the different appellations that are within it you have um you've got some of the the coats the Cote de Bourg the premier Cote de Blay the Fronsac and the Canon Fronsac are going to be right in the middle the tiny little regions the Fronsac is right above the Canon Fronsac uh, you have the Pomerol which is some of the most highly esteemed wines from the right bank or from the Pomerol region. Another Cote is the Cote de Franc, you have the Cote de Castillon. Uh, you have the Seat, Emion, and uh, specifically here is where you see a lot of those small vineyards. And then you have the, at the very bottom, the Andre de Meur, which is where you're going to get a little bit more of the Bordeaux Blanc. Uh, at, at the north region, you're going to get Merlot, Cabernet, Sauvignon Blanc a little bit up there where it's cooler. You get those nicer acid tones. Uh, the middle is going to be mostly red, and then towards the bottom you're going to get some Bordeaux Blanc um, and some Cote de Bordeaux. Uh, so quite quite a beautiful combination down there. Um, just to give you a little bit more about the region. One moment. Yes. So the soils are going to be more of a soil on sand and clay combinations there's going to be some limestone bedrock but there's going to be a lot of red soil red volcanic soil and silt and um you're going to get a lot of chewy textures rustic vintages and red fruit i'm excited to yes. see the difference between the, the two banks thus far and yes. then it'll be Nice to hop back over and then see all of those all of those differences. So uh, we're going to go with um, this Chateau Galan, which is um, it is from the Fransac region. This is a 2015, and uh, you're going to notice is a very oh, dark, very dark, dark color, oh. deep purple with a a dark kind of blue violet hue on the side and this one's quite dense yes it looks quite chewy oh i love i love that expression yeah. to explain why chewy chewy it's quite quite interesting it's uh you know it's not as approachable as as some of the um other blends may be um this one is 85% Merlot. Oh, heavy. 10% Cabernet Franc and 5% Malbec to give it a little bit of spice at the end. Yes, it's very intense. It's not very, very different. Very different. There's a lot of, um, not a lot of fruit going on. I got a lot of tobacco, cedar, gravel, some eucalyptus. It's 
dense, very dense, very dense indeed. Oof. That's what this wine makes me say. I want like shepherd's pie with this wine. Yes, absolutely. I want something hot and baked. And this is a food wine for sure. I wouldn't say that this is just an easy drinking wine. It's complex and it's hard to understand. Oh, that's kind of what makes it unique. It's really good with this blue cheese. Mmm. Which is very intense. I thought that yours was very good with this, um... This brie, mm. I would have to say, yes. The 60-year-old vines, which is maybe not the oldest vines, but I like that they're about as old as I am. <laughs> uh, it's aged in oak for 12 months. A lot of fruity toasted aromas. You know, I tried to go to their website, chateau-glande.frs for France, but their website seem to be broken, so I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe if they need to hire a media studies professor with a specialty in interactive media, that's and uh, they have, would like to exchange a working website for a couple cases of wine. That's you know, just a thought. Oh, just, oh, just you know, you already have a job. I'm sure you're doing quite fine. I do have some extra time. I don't on want my to be hand. greedy. <laughs> Oh, no, no, that was very interesting. Beautiful label. Uh, it really is. Yes, I mean, it's a gorgeous label. Perhaps we'll put it on, um, the, we'll give a picture of it to the ladies and they can put it on their Instagram. Their Instagram, yes, if you haven't been following it, it is at Bottle Blonde's Wine and I just love booting it up in the morning when I'm laying in bed next to my third wife. Taking a look through and seeing their progress. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful combination of uh, some wine facts, uh, vineyard pictures from when they go wine tasting. Some seasonal uh, squash. I always love a good seasonal squash. Yes, yes. Uh, some pictures, yeah, foods that might go well with the wine. You know, I think we all struggle with that a little bit sometimes. I remember it was 19, <laughs> 1998, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, it was when we were first becoming friends. Oh. You invited me over to your house. I, I think it was wife too. I think it was... I think it was Caitlin, I yes. think it was Caitlin, yes. And you had made... Oh, it, was, it was an atrocious spaghetti. It was awful. Oh, 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 it was just the worst. I can't believe you remember that. No, I'm back. So I was, I, if you had a dog, I would have thrown it under the table for the dog, but you didn't. <laughs> Not <the> yet. <laughs> and you paired it. Oh, my God. It was, it was atrocious. You, you paired it with, it was like a, it was like a Pinot Gris. It was like, well, it's a $3 Pinot Gris. And $3? <laughs> that sounds like me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I saw it at the store. It was on sale. You bought the sale mm-hmm. wine. It's okay. It's fine. You know, when you have a lot of friends coming over, sometimes you have to be more economical. Not when you have one or two. That's when you bring out the fancy stuff. Well, I hope your cooking has improved, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess it's back back over to my side of the river. Isn't yes, it? let's bounce back to the left. Back, yes, it's fun. It's like a little silly game. Back. Yes, <laughs> like Pong. Like Pong. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, so we're going back to the left bank. So below the Madoc we have Graves. Mm. Or it might be pronounced Grave because in French you typically do not pronounce the last letter of the word. Fascinating. So, the gra- so Grave is uh, French for gravelly land. 
so these are, this is the area where you're going to be getting a lot of, uh, in addition to the reds, this is where you're going to be seeing some white, the white Bordeaux blend again, which we mentioned earlier, is uh, pretty much always going to be Semillon and Savignon Blanc uh, in varying uh, ratios. Uh, so wines from this region, <coughs> are the, ter the terroir, very nice, thank you, <laughs> is uh, sandstone, pebbles, rocks, light clays, and silt. Uh, and the reds are going to have uh, the spicy chocolate vanilla uh, and again some of those uh, heavier red fruits and mm. uh, black fruits as well. Sounds like a beautiful book. Yes. Uh, so historically, Graves has been uh, noted as the birthplace of the high quality reds. Uh, it was started, the reputation began in the 14th century. Uh, and so long ago. So, so long ago. There's so much. You know, when I started researching Bordeaux, mm. I got a little overwhelmed, not gonna lie. I did as well. There's, there's, I did as well. There's, there's so much on the history, uh, and we're gonna go into a little bit of that history uh, in a little bit, uh, but it's going to be a little bit later history, World War II era. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a Chateau Brondel. This is a Merlet Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon blend, so I believe it is only those two grapes. Mm. It's 2015. Uh, and it is uh, been run by the Belloc family for a hundred years. The Belloc. So this has been a chateau that has been, uh, you know, as most in Bordeaux, uh, passed down from generation to generation to generation. But as I mentioned earlier, with the Chinese uh, love and fascination of Bordeaux, more um, prominent Chinese winemakers are actually buying up chateaus Fascinating. In, uh, in Bordeaux as well. So here we are. <coughs> oh, wow, this has much of a... Much more of a red tint than the ones we were drinking before. It's more of a brick red almost around it. It's still very dark in appearance, however. Yeah, so um, I when I tasted this one, I got blackberry, raspberry, baking spices, and clay pot. Mmm. There's a roasted gamey smell as well. Oh, this mm. one has opened up nicely since yeah. yesterday. Yesterday, where they were both a little, um, but the, the things with Bordeaux wines is you actually do want to decant them uh, because they are so high in tannins. Yes. Uh, first off, they're going to age very well, which is why people spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on really old Bordeaux because yes. they know that it's going to age well. Uh, it seems, uh, according to one of our one of the girls' resources here, oh, um, wine she provided box. you some resources. That's nice. Oh yes, and that's why I have so many papers. Did you, did you send me these? I see. Oh. She takes after me in all of my notes and my index cards and the printouts. And I see. She was one of my favorite students at Hallie. Um, she was a good one. <laughs> uh, but yes, good vintages seem to come about uh, one to two times every five years. So noted here: 2015, 14, 10, and we have on the table here. A 15, a 14, a 15, and then 16. And a 16 six is, uh, we're not sure yet. We're not the sure. word's still out on that one, but we'll, we'll kind of find out for ourselves. Anyway, what's, what's next on Anyways, the agenda? Well, I guess we should move on to the final wine of the right bank for today. Yes. One moment. Because we are going to taste some whites. We are also going to have some whites that, mm -hmm. we, uh, that we sample as well. This isn't just a red day, people. Not just a red day. We must pay homage to the remaining 10% of, um, of red, of, oh, sorry, white wine. You know, when I was drinking this last one, this um, 
Chateau Brondel. Brondel, I got a, a kind of a nice uh, prune flavor at mm. the end. Something really dark and and jammy, but not in a bad way. I know that jammy is sometimes a negative wine term. Yeah, those it's it's almost kind of Zinfandel-ish. Almost, yes. Kind of a nice baking loveliness, like a pie. Well, this one is um, going to be a bit more in that direction, a bit more fruit forward, and I would imagine it's because it's quite young. It's a 2016. It is a Chateau Le Grolet, or Le La Grolet, I don't know. Um, it is from one of the coats, it is the Cote de Bourg. And uh, the interesting about the thing about the coat is that actually there's some of the oldest wine growing regions in Bordeaux. Um, a lot of their vines were planted by the Romans. Mm. Um, but they are small wine producing regions. They're very, very hilly. Uh, there's three types of soil. There's going to be um, a limestone bedrock covered in thick clay. There's also soil on sand and clay and soil on sill. So um, let's uh, give this one a nice little shot, shall we? Oh, I'm quite ready. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little rinse in your oh, glass. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, one thing I also want to mention about... Uh, oh, yes, go ahead, oh, just John. A, a, a John Michael, please. John, John Michael. John Michael. John Again, Michael. it's a family name. It's very important to me that you just say my full name. Yes, John Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, most, something very important that you're going to be wanting to look for on your Bordeaux labels is this uh, phrase right here, which is mise un boitel à la propriétaire. Whoa. And that means that the wine was bottled at the chateau. So it means that the grapes weren't just mid-level Bordeaux grapes that oh, were yes. getting sold to a third-party distributor and then, you know, mixed in. Mixed in with possibly something else. You're getting a fun fact. This one says <laughs> vegan. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's because they don't want their uh oh, excuse me. Their horses tilling the earth. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe no animal labor? Oh, I, don't I don't know. This one uh, may actually have some animal labor. It's, it's, a, it's a biodynamic wine. It has vin bio and um, agriculture biodynamique. Biodynamique? But it does have this mise en botel à château. So we know that this is not just a, um, a subpar wine. This is quite nice. Um, Another important thing to find on the label is um, is going to be Grand Vin de Bordeaux. That's how you know that the grapes that are within this bottle are the best that that maker produces. Excellent. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'll, let's give this Chateau Le Grolet 2016 a shot. I, uh, I gave it quite an interesting smell profile. I said black cherry, black pepper, red bell pepper, and some nutmeg. I would say that this one definitely has high baking spices. Mm -hmm. It also is a little bit... Earthy. It's earthy. It's rustic. There's a lot more acid in it than I had anticipated, even though it is a Merlot-dominated um, wine. Actually, I'm finding the tannins in this one not as... Not as, like, not as, a, not as grippy, but they're Not as aggressive, but they're kind of... It's well-balanced. But I also think that it's... I don't know, it's really just... It's really laying on my tongue longer than I think I'd like. It's like a like a one-night stand that just won't leave, even though you've said that you have a lot to do. 
And that it's time... And it's time to organize your New Yorkers again. I, you know, I have to organize Sometimes. my New Yorkers. Absolutely. Once a month, just to make sure, in case there's an old article I want to go back and read. There was an amazing article on Philip Glass. Uh, oh. From 1999. Uh, he's a saxophonist. Yes, I am aware of who Philip Glass is. Oh, oh. Well, I... I'm sorry. It was just, you know, you have so... Your area has got so many different things, you know. I Sometimes I forget that you also know a little bit about jazz, even though I, it is my specialty. It's, fi- it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I apologize, Michael. John Michael. John Michael. John Michael. My, again, my, it was my great-great-grandfather's name. He came over from Norway. John Michael Higgins. I am actually John Michael Higgins the fourth. I did not know that. Yes, I am a fourth. I I can't believe we've known each other for 20 years and I'm just now learning about this. You are a fourth. Well, you've been very preoccupied with your family dramas um, and obviously, you know, asking me about my family history hasn't been at the forefront of your questioning and that's fine. That's fine, but you know, maybe maybe one of these bottles we can finish together and learn a bit more about. I would like you. I would like that, Jeffrey Carmichael. What's your middle name? Sarah. Jeffrey Sarah Carmichael. Yes. It's weird. I know. It's okay. My middle name is Ashley. It was my grandmother's name. It was my grandmother's name. I mean, Sarah. Yes. Not Ashley. Yes, 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 absolutely. But Ashley can be a, a male name. Sarah's not quite so much, but... I had a, um, I also had a grand, a grandmother on my father's side, Grandma Josephone. She, she was also very near and dear to me. She also, her name is actually quite surprising to a lot of people. Yes, Josephone. That almost sounds like Josephine and Gramophone. Maybe that's where you got your interest in music. Right, Grandma Josephine, whenever she would get ready to make mashed potatoes for dinner, because that's all she ever made, would Delicious. remember she put on a record. It was a Bix Beiderbeck record. A what? Bix Beiderbeck. He was a very, he was a very uh, influen- influential pianist uh, in the 20s. Unfortunately, he died very, very young. He had a bad, nasty, alcoholic problem. Um, he was, and he died of a, in his like late twenties. That's a shame. Yes, the brightest stars burn out the quickest. <laughs> my goodness! <laughs> my oh my! Uh, um, well, enough, well, enough about Bix Beiderbeck. Fun fact, um, you know, I know that you, Germany and France have had a very... They've had a tough time. They've had a tough time. But it's almost like one of them received tenure and the other one didn't. <laughs> so you're Germany in this situation. No, you're Germany in this oh, situation. No, I think you're Germany. No, I think you're Germany in this Let's situation. Let's argue about who's Germany later. Okay. Uh, so, you know, previous to World War II starting, because the country is also close together, uh, Germany and its Riesling, uh, it was very close to Alsace, which I believe that the girls mentioned in a past episode, um, is very close to the German border, and they both produce a lot of Riesling and white wines. 
regardless, the the wine communities in these countries are very tight. Uh, they rely on each other, even though they are in uh, competition with each other to some extent. Uh, so Germany and France, wine merchants from France and Germany knew each other uh, quite a bit. Everyone was friendly with each other. Mm. Before that, of course, the war happened. Mm. Uh, so it was a very, uh, it was a very big commodity uh, wine during World War II, and the reason for that was. It was the livelihood of a lot of French people, and it was a aesthetic, almost um, you know, popular thing to do if you were, you know, in Germany or especially part of the Nazi Party, because the Nazis were all about taking everything that they could. They took art, they took everything to elevate themselves as like the superior nation uh, of Europe. So. Um, Fun fact: Hitler not so much was into wine. Uh, he's quoted as calling it nothing but vulgar vinegar, <laughs> and that uh, his aestheticism was a fiction invented by Joseph Goebbels, his right-hand man, to emphasize his total dedication and self-control uh, over the other men that separated him. So he was almost like a fake, fancy person, and his, his generals were trying to make him seem more. That's cool than he was. Ah, goodness! It's so much fun finding ways to laugh at Hitler. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> the, some of the top brass uh, in the Nazi army were Joseph Goebbels, uh, who was very into Burgundy, and then there was another one, uh, Goring, who preferred Bordeaux, uh, especially Chateau Lafitte. Mm. So, bottom line. You can't just go pillage all of France's wine. No. Then there's not going to be any wine left to drink. You have to control it. You have to make sure that the people are still alive to make the wine. Yes. So the best way to get this to happen was they put members of the German army, uh, wine merchants who were already working in the wine industry. They called them wine führers, and they became almost like uh, es uh, not escorts. Oh, sorry. Um, do you know of? Ambassadors, ah yes, as ambassadors for the different regions. So uh, Champagne had one, Burgundy had one, mm. uh, and Bordeaux uh, had one. A terrible time. Yes. So, um, but the wine viewers <clears throat> were not there to make anybody's lives hard. Well, they had, they fucking hated that they had to do it to begin with. So they actually worked with a lot of the winemakers in their assigned region to almost like kind of psych the Nazis out. They'd be like, well. We can give them the shitty grapes and put the nice label on, <laughs> you know, and vice versa. Um, anyway, the wine fuhrer of uh, Bordeaux was a man by the name of Heinz Bomers. So very, very interesting. It's uh, I could go on and on about all of the different stories about how they tricked the higher up in the Nazis to still like get them the wine without actually giving them the best wine. It's fascinating. It is very fascinating. Uh, this is all coming from a book which I believe, oh yes, Hallie let me borrow this book. Hallie uh, book. That's yes. so sweet. Yes. It's called Wine and War. It's by Don and Petey Kladstrup uh, and it's also got some very fascinating stories uh, just about that what was going on in the wine industry during World War II in these two countries that, you know, it was, it was a lot. Well, we really owe today's tasting to this this gentleman who protected the wines of Bordeaux. Yes, Heinz Gomers. Heinz Gomers. Thank you for your wine service. All right, now that we've uh, tasted some beautiful red Bordeaux, it's time to... Just gorgeous. 
gorgeous. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a white. So again, this is coming from the left bank. Uh, the name of this wine is Chateau de la Vielle Tour. It's a 2016, um, and it does have the uh, Appalachian Bordeaux Controle uh, label, which we are also wanting to see uh, on our labels uh, for a true Bordeaux. It also looks like this is a biodynamic, perhaps. Oh, it is. It's actually it quite is. It was uh, this. They began this particular chateau owned by the Boissonneau family since 1839. Uh, they began organic farming in 2007. Interesting. Uh, they were certified organic in 2011. So this is a organic, uh, certified organic wine from uh, from this from the chateau excellent uh, because it is a white and it is in france we know that they're more than likely going to be using stainless steel so this was a stainless steel uh fermentation and it was aged surely uh meaning on the leaves mm. so <clears throat> this is a split down the middle 50 50 so 50 percent semillon 50 percent semillon blanc uh, how how uh, egalitarian <laughs> yeah, I know, right <laughs> uh really just this i love I love a good Bordeaux white blend. I love it. I love that, uh, you know, I love Sauvignon Blanc, uh, but sometimes it can be a little too uh, acidic. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, and this and the Semillon really just mellows it out. So. It rounds it out. It gives us a nice honeyed, soft texture, and it makes it an excellent pairing with seafood. Yes. So uh, notes in this wine are going to be grapefruit, pineapple, uh, star fruit, honey, and as for a tertiary flavor, we have chalk. Uh, I'm definitely getting a bit of a, you know, that that fun kind of cut in half tennis ball smell from it. Oh yes, 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 a classic, classic, classic. sommelier. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been doing quite a bit of research. You know, when we were asked to do this episode, I was like, I just went down a big rabbit hole, and I was learning about uh, sommeliers and um, you know what they do and they have to create they come up with all these interesting tasting terms That's fun. did you know that sommeliers originally were the food and wine tester for the king so if, a, if someone was trying to poison a king sommelier would be the first to know because <laughs> he would be dead yeah so he um, he's make, he always made sure that the wine was uh, stored properly and that the food and the wine oh, tasted oh, good together interesting so that, that's a little little history on that what a fun tidbit. Yes, this is a lovely wine. Yes, I really enjoy it. This is a very inexpensive, it was a $12. Mm. It's actually, and it's from, it's from Bordeaux, so. Got a nice pear flavor in there as well. Yes, it's quite, it's quite lovely. What year did you say it was? Uh, 2016, uh, so about two years old. I guess you don't really want to age a, um, a white wine that's so heavily dominated by um, Sauvignon Blanc, but um, yes, this is quite nice. This is quite nice. We can astute, ast- discern, excuse me, we can discern from what we've just talked about. This is probably from Graves, mm-hmm. or Grave, uh, not pronouncing the S. Um, so these are going to be floral, passion fruit driven, uh, white flowers, uh, roasted nuts. Uh, apparently some of the things you would also maybe be getting from this particular area. And another thing that we haven't really dove in today, and we're probably not going to dive in too much more, is that there is another white wine, Saturnet. Yes. Which is a more of a sweet dessert it's wine. A dessert wine. Uh, quite decadent. Quite uh, yes. I've actually never had a Saturnet myself. I prefer sherry or port uh, for a dessert wine. I did have a Saturnet 
last weekend. Oh. Um, I was visiting a good friend in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. And there was a French Saturday, obviously, on the on the menu. And um, I gave it a taste, and I had it with some creme brulee, and I have to say, I had quite the time. Oh, I bet that would be beautiful. Uh, it was excellent. And just in case people want to know some tastings or flavors or flavor notes you're going to be getting with a Saturday, uh, almond, uh, quince, mango, roasted peach, dry apricots, <laughs> beeswax, um... So maybe some dried apricot. I do remember it having quite a, a waxy texture. Yes. Um, and it was quite sweet, you know, it's maybe not always my favorite, uh, being a sweet wine and more of a port drinker like you are, but um, but it was it was quite an adventure on the tongue, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> uh, if only I knew the phrase for tongue adventures, <laughs> tongue in, adventures. In, in France. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it's something adventures de tongue adventures de tongue that's what you said I am sorry Michael no it's it's, it's again it's John Michael I, I, I know we just had that lovely discussion about you know our, our grandmothers having the female middle names and I just thought that would have resonated more with you as, as far as but that's alright well um let's uh let's you know before we dive into our our um surprises i wanted to go over a couple of wine terms for those that are out there looking at french wines you know a french label can be very intimidating and mm-hmm. i'd like to clarify a couple of things to make it easier and more approachable for those out there and we have, a, we have three three terminologies to go over, and these are all going to be about how the, uh, the the wine is grown and where and by whom. Um, so the first is chateau, which is um, really just any building that mm. is attached to a vineyard with wine making and storage facilities. So we think of chateau as a beautiful home or maybe even a castle, but it could be a garage, it could be a mud hut. As long as it has, it is next to a vineyard and it has wine making and storage facilities on that property. But chateau is usually going to be on the label, it's going to have a name attached to it, which will be the family name. So Chateau Galan, Chateau Brondel, um, all of these are probably family names and the chateau is owned by those families. Uh, the next term is Cuverie, um, which is the building in which the wine is made. So, oh, yes, so uh, this uh, may be within the chateau. You can think of a Cuverie within a chateau is just the specific building in which the grapes are being fermented and stored for aging. It's the making area for the wine. Lovely. Yes. And um, and then within that, even further down... It's like a Russian nesting doll of terminology! Within that is the shy, uh, the cellar, where the wine is stored and aged, whether that's in... Um, a steel tank or um, or a, an oak barrel. You've got the shy and the couverie in the chateau. Like you said, a Russian nesting doll or um, what is the name for a Russian nesting doll? That's what it's called. Is that really what it's called? Yes, it's, I, called, it's called a Russian nesting doll. I thought doll. it had a fun Russian name that I can't think of. It might, it but might. I'm always affectionate. You know what? 
guess I'm gonna have to brush up on my Russian. I, I guess so. They just tend to not uh, enjoy a lot of things no. of, of the artistic nature. So I know that's, and I, again, I apologize to Russia. Putin is listening. Please don't come for my family. It is literally just me and my cats. Heathcliff and Garfield. And, um, yes, I've named my cats after my favorite comic strips. <laughs> and your um, many, many um, space eaters. And New Yorkers. And New Yorkers. And jazz and, and Doonesbury comics. And, oh, and my jazz records. And oh, your jazz oh, records. How could I have forgot? Those I alphabetize every week. Every Wednesday. Do they come out of alphabetizing very often? I would imagine you stick them back. Well, I change the, the, the system every week. One week I'll do alphabetical. Uh, next week I'll do by instrument. Oh, uh, wow. Next week I'll do by year released. After that I'll go uh, color. Oh, I'll do wow. a little color organizing. And then I'll just go back to... Um, alphabetizing. Alphabetizing, yes. It's, it's, it's on a rotation. Just like a record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff! Oh, you, Jeffrey! Jeff, sorry, Jeffrey. <laughs> That's okay. Jeffrey. That's okay. Just most fun to laugh. <laughs> I'm Jeffrey. Yes. Now, how do you spell? How do you spell your first name? Oh, this is the, the G, of course. G E O. Oh. O F F E R Y. Geoffrey. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, if you were to pronounce it phonetically, but it is a it's a very uh, old established name. It's my grandfather's name. Not my father's. I'm not a. I'm not a third, but I'm a. I'm a fourth. I'm a fourth. I, I know that you're a fourth. I mean, yes. I, just to clarify again, it wouldn't even be on the podium. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, now that we have those wine terms, um, let's move on to our surprise tasting. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> to try and um you know give each other a, a good guess yep a good a good a good good goosing is that a what the kids goose, say a good goosing a hashtag goosing <laughs> you know i've tried i've tried to use the hashtags on my instagram i've got a couple pictures of heathcliff and garfield yes on there and um pictures of my record players i have multiples um but yeah, I just I don't I don't quite understand the hashtagging. I don't get it. I'm it's not okay. I guess I'm not that cool. It's okay. That's all right. You know, you you never exactly positioned yourself as cool, so it's not like you can just catch up to being cool by a matter of using hashtags. That's not quite how it works. Well, maybe maybe the Mr. Professional Jeffrey over there will will give me a good education later when we when we down one of these beautiful bottles of Bordeaux. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, um, who should go first? Uh, I just, you know, I think you should go first. Okay. Uh, since I just had this, this uh, Bordeaux blend from Bordeaux. Yes. Um, Is this, uh, should I close my eyes? Yes, you should close your eyes. Um, definitely don't want to have them open. Then I can't look at your horribly outdated tweed jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that? Are you still shopping at the Goodwill even though you have tenure? You know, sometimes I just think that it's best to, <laughs> to um, recycle 
You know, it's it's really about the environment. I don't. I wouldn't want to go to one of those fast fa- fast fashion outlets like you do. With oh well, it just seems Myrtle is such a snappy dresser. I just would be it'd be a shame if she was a fr- shame to go out with you in such. You know, it's it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. She likes me for who I am, and I like her for who she is, and that's all you need to know about our relationship. I'd love to meet her one day if you yes. have me over again. I I would love to come over. Hopefully your spaghetti has I gotten better. I can tell you it's improved. I can tell you it's improved. I can even make I even make the sauce by hand now. Oh, oh, you opened your eyes. Oh, I did. I'm no a blast. I'm a scallywag. That's what can okay. I say? Well, I sh- as you can see, this is a rosé. How exciting. Yes. I heard the ladies love rosé. I heard they do too. Adrian told me, she said, you know, she used a fun term. She said rosé all day. Oh. Isn't, All day. Isn't that clever? <laughs> so of course, of course. You, I mean, let's face it. There was that stint. Uh, I believe it was 1991. I was drinking every day, um, but I'm better now. It's good. It's good to hear. It was after. It was after. It was after summer left. Not the season, my girlfriend. We were together ten years. I'm so sorry. I never met her. She was. She was introverted. She was very introverted. Um, and she, I didn't hashtag put a ring on it, so. So she wandered away. She married a media, strangely enough, another media studies professor. Interesting. It was in another state. It was Oklahoma. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure Oklahoma. she's bored to tears. I'm sure she is as well. Silly summer. Summer. Yes, um, so... The tasting notes on this, I'm just going to give a couple, but I'm going to leave the rest up to you or for the, for the guessing. Um, I, I had some, some watermelon, maybe some hay, a little bit of fennel, um, so it must be a, a, bit of, a bit of wet pavement and rubber, perhaps. It's not. It's not super fruit forward. It's kind of hard to smell. I actually definitely when you when you said uh, there was a definitely a not fruity tertiary thing that yes. was coming through the most and it is kind of like a rubbery smell. Yes. Which leads me to believe. Um, I'm guessing this has got to be also just based off of our lesson today yes. that this has got to be made from one of the grapes of Bordeaux. Um, we all know that rosé is made from. Any. You can make a rosé out of any red grape. Absolutely. Uh, I have, but I typically tend to see rosés made of Cab Franc. And because Cab Franc uh, tends to be a little bit more on the not fruit forwardy side, I will say this is a Cab Franc rosé, probably from 2017, and... Probably, I almost want to say it's a warmer climate. Oh, yes. It's a warmer climate. Um, maybe not France. Um, oof. I don't know. I guess I'm going to take a stab in the dark here okay. and say this is a... Oh, wait, what makes you say it's not a warmer climate? I mean, it's not very acidic. It's not It's not very acidic. Uh, it's a, Because it is heavier on the tongue, it's kind of got that rubbery... Yes. Um, and not in a bad way. No, no. Not in a bad way. No. It just, I'm just feeling this is a warmer climate. I'm, I'm okay. probably, 
uh, California. I don't know. Nope. A California Cab Franc Rosé from 2017. Well, you've got... Um... You've gotten close on many of these. <sighs> yes, it is a 2017. Yes. yes. Um, however, it is a Bordeaux. Ah, <sighs> it is a Bordeaux rosé uh, made of 25% Merlot, 15% Cabernet Franc, and a 60% Cabernet Sauvignon. So you know you got one of the cabs. That's certainly that's true. that's true. I did, I did distinguish one grape. I actually just bought this exact same chateau. You're kidding me. In a Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, I almost got that one. That would have been so. That would have been so funny. There was a cute little story about this family. Uh, they were just so interested in winemaking that they bought up some some um, land in the region of Cote de Borg. Which is in the right bank. Oh. And one of the mini coats, it's kind of centralized. Um, so, you know, probably a little bit warmer. It says it gets about 10% more sunshine than the left bank. Um, and a little bit less, uh, a little bit less uh, rain overall. So I understand why you might think it's from California. Um, Interesting. And it's very soft, uh, very drinkable, very approachable. Quite lovely. Hot Rion. Is, uh, yeah. is the chateau. Yes, I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Oh, just lovely. Mm. Mm. Just lovely. All right, are you ready for my blind taste? I test really team? am. Am I allowed to uh, open my eyes while I take it or keep them closed? Mm, keep them closed okay. until I've at least uh, removed the bottle. Ooh. Almost feels kind of musty, but in a good way. Yes. In a good way, like um, like old paper, like a honey. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yes, like a honey, honey and apple, like a, like Rosh Hashanah. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> forgot your Jewish roots. Yes. <laughs> I didn't celebrate this year, but last year, yes, last year. Oh, you're a part-time Jew, I see. I'm a part-time. <laughs> <laughs> Can I open my eyes now? Yes. I'll taste first. I'll taste taste. 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 Mm, this one is also opened up quite lovely. Ooh. It's a nice toasted, nutty, but um, still a lot of good lemon and, um, oh. oh, it's so pale. It's mm. a pale gold. Mm. Mm. Yes. It's kind of almost like a malted sensation at the end. Hmm. Still quite a bit acidic. Um, I'm going to guess. I mean, I'm going to guess that this is a maybe one of the other great types of that region. Maybe. Oh, maybe. 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 Wee oui, wee. Oui. Uh, let me look those up. Um, I'm going to say this is maybe a muscadel or a, mm. yes, or maybe a maybe a blend. I don't think I know quite what a lot of muscadel tastes like. I have not tasted a bunch of it so far. Um, but I am going to guess that this is from France. I'm not sure which bank or region it's from, but let's say it is from the Bordeaux region. And um, I'm going to say that this is maybe quite a bit older, uh, maybe a 2015. Mm. So I guess those are my guesses. Interesting. Well, old chap, I'm mm. afraid I've pulled a little bit of wool over your oh, eyes on this no. one. Oh, no, blast. This is actually 
a Bordeaux blend, but it is from Underwood, Washington. Oh, what a surprise. Yes, so this is a, a exact same ratio of our previous white. This is a 50% Semillon, 50% uh, Cabernet Semillon. It tastes so different. That's because, so this is a little winery called the Nietzsche Cellars. It's a female winemaker. Fun. And um, this is fermented in hand-casted clay pots. What? Or clay amor amorpha. Anyway, essentially, I'll just give you the little blurb on the back of the bottle okay. because I think it really just encompasses the entire interestingness of this wine. Uh, number, uh, the name of this wine is number five. Like a uh, mambo. Like, oh, God. Uh, I remember when you were listening to all yes. that terribly bad dance songs in the nineties. <laughs> Macarena, Mambo Number Five. I was getting in, I was getting invited to so many bar and bat mitzvahs around that time. I couldn't quite avoid it, and you know what? They grew on me. Yes. What was that one? You oh, ch- oh yeah, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. You know, it's um, the, you get down and then you get up again. Ugh, dribble. All of that. Stuff dribble. You know what? Just give me a nice dizzy Gillespie run on the old horn, and I'm happy. Uh, anyway, back Anyways, to the back sorry to, to digress. We digress. We, you know, we're old. It happens. Yes. <laughs> so the number five uh, was the ancient Greek symbol uh, denoted a measurement of wine in large clay jars. The amorpha number five is the old Underwood key for the at symbol. Uh, fermented in hand-casted clay amorpha, our own number five shows subtle hints of candied orange, honey, dried herbs, and delicious with poultry, fish, and soft cheeses. Um, so this is a very interesting little, uh, winery. It's in Underwood, which is about, oh, ten minutes, I want to say, um, outside of White Salmon. So we have the Hood River. So this is the Columbia River Gorge. Yes. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, and it is just... Did you uh, procure, the, procure this possibly on um, one of your recent uh, cabin adventures? I, I did. Oh, what, yes. How wonderful. I did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here on an extended leave from my job. Oh, I didn't tell you about that. It's okay. You didn't. No, they're, they're restructuring the program, so that's why I've been spending so much time here in Oregon. Uh, what a shame. Yes, it's... What a shame. They do not quite appreciate your God-given talent for educating our youth about the wonders of jazz. I know. It's, I, I cry a little bit every night. Do, Think... you, wait, do you really? I do. I, I do, but it, it's okay. I've, I've met a lovely girl. We've gone out on... One date. I mean, it's been a month since she's called me, but I know she's going to call again soon. So it'll be nice to go out with Madeline, if you're listening. Uh, I'd love to go out on another date. Um, that, that would be great. Um, yours truly, Professor Higgins. So, uh, is, there some, is there something wrong? No, nothing is wrong. I'm just... Maybe Madeline is... Another, um, you know, um, tech, technophobe, and maybe she hasn't um, gotten her voicemail box set up and um, heard oh. your many, 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 I'm sure, um, notes of appreciation and gratitude and respect for the, the fine deeds that I'm sure you went on. I'm very sorry to hear that. I've been sending the letters. Up. I've been sending the letters to her work. Okay, well, that's. Um, um, seems uh, inappropriate 
but you know, I haven't been in the romance game for at least a couple of years now. We've I married Myrtle in um, the the spring of 2016, so it's been at least two years, and uh, I've been out of the game. You're right. I'm I'm going about it all the wrong way. I just I just you're right. I wasn't trying to scold you. No, she doesn't like me. You're right. I'm. I think I just needed this, as they say, come to Jesus moment, even though I don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. A silly idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Uh, I have uh, just a couple, that's one other resource today. Okay. In case you want to learn more about uh, Bordeaux, there's some very interesting films or documentaries you can watch. Well, how delightful. I Maybe I have heard of these. Uh, well, one of them is recent from 2015. It's called Red Obsession. Uh, it's pretty much all about how Bordeaux uh, kind of blew up and uh, the Chinese uh, obsession with it, essentially. I mean, China imports right now the most Bordeaux, imports the most Bordeaux than any other country in the world. Um, and again, going back to what I touched on earlier about uh, their economic growth is that the you know, the culture is also very into like brand recognition. Yes. You know, they, they need to have the coach bag or the and I'm not saying this is every person in China, I'm not generalizing. No, no, no. This is just based off of gen- a large country. I mean when I went to the silk market in Beijing, there were so many knockoffs you couldn't you couldn't swing your arm around without hitting some fake Louis Vuitton, so I totally believe it. Exactly. So, you know, it's very interesting in this documentary they talk about others Especially again, going back to Chateau Lafitte, yes. that that is like the brand, that the, the brand, ri- the brand that the rich people drink. Um, it's it means that you've made it in China if you have a, a Lafitte, if you can afford a Lafitte. Um, and in fact, Lafitte was became very aware of this fact in 2008 when the Beijing Olympics were happening. And they put a Chinese character on one of their yes. bottles. Yes. I read about this. Yes, yes. they put the no, so the number eight, so the Beijing Olympics started on 8/8/2018. Eight, eight, yes. The number eight has a lot of symbolism in China. I was in Beijing in 2008, right before the Olympics, and they were very excited about it. Oh, I, I bet. But yes, yeah, so this Chinese character eight was on uh, Lafitte and. Immediately, like it, it, it was crazy. It's just it crazy. was mad. It was ma- it was Bordeaux madness. There's also a woman in there that bought a 1980 something Lafitte for 1.5 million dollars. It's like people that have more money than they know what to do with, essentially. Uh, and they're buying up Bordeaux, and the Chinese are going to Bordeaux and buying up the chateaus. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, so that's a good uh, that is a good documentary. But also another great documentary is um, Sour Grapes which is about counterfeiting of wine and how because the market for Bordeaux is so crazy that people are making imitations and copywriting, or not copywriting, uh, forging labels of famous uh, wineries. So uh, that's in my Netflix queue. Yes. And uh, I have not watched it yet. Um, Can you um, perhaps summarize some of the the tells of, of these fakes or are they so good that you wouldn't be able to tell and I assume that they're trying to trick people who are paying a lot of money that wouldn't be tricking somebody down at you know at $15 a bottle level but but yes do you know well I mean gr- granted a lot of it is just really a lot of these labels from older wines they can be just easily forced so the things that you need to look in into photoshopped. in photoshopped uh, one of the things you need to look for is if the uh 
if there's been any uh, damage to the foil covering, or if it looks like a different foil covering has been put on your wine. Another big one is just really research. If you are buying a very expensive bottle of wine, you should probably know about you it. You should probably research it. One of the biggest things that they uncovered was that these people were buying up vintages of a wine, and the wine or the winemaker was like, that is impossible. We did not, you know, have a vintage that year, or we weren't doing this that year. So, um, the, the, it's been a while since I've watched Sour Grapes, but there was one winemaker in France in particular of a famous chateau that realized that this was going on. And he, because he noticed was when he was perusing a website, the, a bottle of his wine was for sale that was like a vintage that wasn't like in existence for him. And he was like, what? What, what the? the what, what, what the heck? So yeah, those two in conjunction uh, are very interesting because they both touch on uh, Bordeaux madness, I guess, for lack of a better word. So, fascinating. Fascinating. Um, So I have a little, the girls gave me a little uh, cheat sheet here. Um, They said they always close out, uh, close to the end of the podcast, doing something called Seven Things. Yes, um, Adrian told me a bit about this game and it... It sounds quite fun. It sounds like you... It, it's a bit of an invention game. Um, so I'll, I'll get started, Hallie, uh, sure. if, if you don't mind. So you're going to make kind of a rapid list, in, um, and I will I will be the counter of this list. I will say one, two, three, four, and upwards through seven. And um, I will give you a topic to riff on. Uh, riff may be familiar for you since you... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I love jazz. Oh, yes. Quite. <laughs> oh, don't get me started and, on jazz riffs. <laughs> and I do encourage you to pick your favorite of the wines today to do this with. Um, and uh, my question to you is um, seven jazz songs <gasps> that you would drink your favorite wine of today with. Oh, my God. And please tell us the wine that you your favorite today. I'm so overwhelmed. I just... I, I a million, that, a million records just flew into my head like like birds coming out of a chimney. Like the Swifts. Oh, I've heard of that. Here. Yes, Swifts. The Swifts up in uh, at Chapman Elementary. They they dive bomb into the um, old chimney. Obviously, the chimney does not work anymore. But it's quite a sight to see. Anyways, I digress. I apologize. This is your seven things. That's all right. Uh, well, I, I must say that. Um, I really liked the ones that stood out for me, for sure, were the Chateau Brondel from the left bank. Yes. Uh, from the right bank, I think I definitely uh, enjoy the Chateau Le Grolet. Yeah. Uh, and of the whites, you know, I, I was a fan of this, uh, the, the actual, well, I really do love this one from Underwood, Washington. Uh, I think I liked... The one from Bordeaux just a bit better, uh, just because it had some more uh, nice rounded honey tones that I was looking for. Uh, so now, I guess I will, I'm just gonna go with the Chateau Brondeaux. So dark, so beautiful. It's not purple. It's like this very interesting red. All right, here I go. Okay, now. I'm just gonna have to say it one more time because in case you didn't know, the best pianist album, Keith Jarrett's 1975 Corn Concert. One. 
Concerto for saxophone, Philip Glass. Two. Cleo's Chant by Ernie Henry. Three. <laughs> Waltz for Debbie by Bill Evans. Waltz for who? A waltz for Debbie. Debbie? Yes. Ah, uh, four. Limbo Jazz by Duke Ellington and Coleman Hawkins. Even I know who that is. Five. <laughs> Take Five by Dave Brubeck. Six. Oh, there's more. There's I think more. There's uh, one more. Song for My Father by Horace Silver. Did I already say that? Song for My Father by Horace Silver. Was that seven? I just could have gone on and on. I know you could. Betty Goodman, Dizzy Gillespie. Nope. Jelly Roll Morton. We only at seven. All right, all right. Jeff. Yes. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Jeff. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't even correct you this time. I was just thinking so hard about these wines. What is what is your favorite wine? I mean, if you just want to group it by the red or the white. I mean, I mean I'm going to take a little picture with my disposable camera here while, <laughs> while you marinate. Because, again, I said I, I, my flip phone it doesn't quite have... Did you wind it up? I did. You don't want to double expose. Ah, uh, oh, yes, that familiar click. Um, it was a good question. I, I have to say that I too loved the Chateau Brondel. Excellent. It was so beautiful for the for the Grave region. The Merlot Cabernet Sauvignon danced on the tongue, almost like. A beautiful animated film would dance on your eyes. Be- beautiful animated film on your eyes. You're yes. getting philosophical. I know, Jeff. I know. I'm <laughs> waxing poetical. Um, but that is what I am going to drink while we play this this fun game. I'm having so much fun. I know. The game. It's, it's, it's so silly. It's so silly. I, and I, I feel, I feel, I feel giddy for the first time and. In years, honestly. Oh, and, and Jeffrey, I'm, I'm, whatever whatever was between us, John Michael, I, it is water under, under the, the bridge. bridge. Also, oh, great Paul Also sign. known as, a, as an arroyo. An arroyo, oh, that's right, yes, yeah, yes <laughs> in New Mexico. And a Paul Simon song, I'm sorry, I oh, interrupted what you. What a good song. Such a good song. It takes me back. Uh, yes, uh, Jeffrey. Yes. Seven films. Oh. I think in honor. Of our first meeting. Oh, yes. University of New Mexico in 1998. University of New Mexico. I would love to hear your favorite films of the 1990s. (laughs) This is too easy. Oh, too easy? You made this too easy. You old rapscallion. (laughs) Well, um, since this one is dark, this is a dark wine, let's start with the uh, 90s mother-killing classic, Heavenly Creatures. Oh, yes. Wasn't that a Peter Jackson? It was a Peter Jackson film before he went on to direct uh, Lord of the Rings, as people know him best for. Loud riffraff, but that's all right. (laughs) In your opinion, it may be one of the finest fantasy trilogies of this era. Do each his own on that. Do each his own. Yes. The first one, uh, first pick is Heavenly Creatures. Excellent, excellent. Um... Are you going to count for me? No, it's one! Ah, yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. a mouthful of triple cream brain. No, I will shortly as well. Uh, taking a deep sniff of this, it's 
It's making me think it's racy and bold, just like The Fugitive. <gasps> Harrison Ford, yes! Yes, quite an excellent Harrison Ford film. Maybe one of the only ones that he's been in that they didn't make a sequel or a remake out of because it was good as it is. I, but didn't they make a, try to make a Fugitive television show? I think they did. I think it got cancelled because it was probably because terrible. It was probably terrible. It's adaptations at that time which is not not well suited for television. You know, I think in this day and age they could do maybe a fine job, but back in the 1990s or Things were just stuck to networks, and, and HBO was the only thing that was even barely taking off the ground at that point, maybe not until the late 1990s with quality television being produced. I would say no. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've always held on to my HBO subscription. Call me an old diehard. No, not at all. They had some very interesting... Diehard, also a great film, but not on my list, but a great 1990s film. Well, if you're into oh, that... Oh, no, an 80s. Uh, the... I'm sorry, that was an 88, 10 years prior to when we met. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third one, I believe, was an early 90s or mid-90s film. Yeah. And I believe one of the better in the franchise. So, it had Samuel L. Jackson in it. Two each, exact, two each. Well, speaking of Samuel L. Jackson, let us move on to Pulp Fiction. Oh, excellent, yes. Excellent uh, uh, 1990s film by Quentin Tarantino. Yes, it punches you in the face just like this wine does. I agree, I agree. <laughs> or um, like that, that ephedrine needle in Uma Thurman's heroin-ridden chest. chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's get a little weird, shall we? Oh, let's... I love getting kitty. With let's you, move. Jeffrey. Me. <laughs> let's move on to another weird, to a weird one, uh, a weird Coen Brothers film, uh, Barton Fink. Barton Fink. I know. <laughs> John Goodman was in that film, did you know? I did know uh, that. About a writer in uh, L.A. Uh, in a weird series of surreal happenstances. It's been quite a while since I've seen Barton Fink. Mm -hmm. I... I think I'm a bigger fan of, uh, of if we're talking earlier, Coen Brothers. Uh, I enjoyed Raising Arizona. Oh yes, quite a bit. Uh, Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas Cage. Cage. When did when did when did we start calling him Nick Cage? It's too it's, it's too, too informal. It is too informal for a man with quite a storied career. Maybe not always a noble one, but a storied career for sure. Is quite a talented actor. I feel like Nick is just too. It's two cast. Two cast. Um, well, let's move on. Yes, sorry. Yes, uh, I'm uh, digressing what again. number was I on? I just keep forgetting to count. Let's I think see. You, um, Heavenly Creature. One. The Fugitive. Two. Pulp Fiction. Three. Barton Fink. Four. That's four. There we go. Four. I'm ready to not interrupt you anymore. Oh. I apologize. No, no worries. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on to maybe not critically acclaimed film, but a fun one. Heat. Five! Yes! Uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and a whole lot of action. Isn't that movie like five hours long? It's so long. You can fall asleep, wake back up, and still know what's going on. It's perfect for an old fart like I, I think I actually have the double VHS of Heat. The double VHS. 
Next to my double VHS of Titanic. I was just going to say Titanic. Uh, the Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Also a very long movie. Very, very long. Uh, but I'm sorry, five. 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 Um, now this one uh, may come as a surprise for it is an animated film and very near and dear to my heart, however, Princess Mononoke. Oh, six! Yes, uh, Roger Ebert highly regarded this film when it came out. He actually put it in his top ten list for the year. Old Ebs! Old Ebs! You know, he... R.I.P. Oh, you know, I shook his hand once. You did did not. I did. You did not. I did. You did not. I did! It was at a 1986. I was in New York. Uh, for an opera with my girlfriend at the time. Summer. <clears throat> it was the summer. <sighs> Come back, John Michael. <laughs> she wanted to go see... She wanted to go see Deflator Mouse, I believe, was playing. And, um... The what? Deflator Mouse. Oh. It's a German opera. Oh, yes. Uh, and, um... I, he, he was outside of a restaurant... And I, I didn't fanboy, as they say. No. I, I just casually came up and I said, Mr. Ebert, it is a pleasure having you on this planet. And I walked away. And he said, thank you? By that you said you shook his hand. Oh, yes. I, I, I forcibly put his hand into my hand. Oh, oh yes. okay. I, I came up to him. I said that one thing. You I shoved shook. your hand in his hand. And then I walked away. He said thank you. But I not to my face. so jealous. I was so nervous. He so, was... So jealous. Don't be. Don't be you. You have... You've had three wives. And I have had none. Well, that's a depressing <laughs> moment. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Um... <laughs> We're going to end on another Coen Brothers film. Fargo. Oh, brava. Yes. With a beautiful score by Carter Burwell. Yes. Oh. Oh. Possibly one of my favorite films of all time. And the series is really good, too. The series is fucking fantastic. Oh, my God, Jeffrey. You just dropped... An F-bomb, I know. Well, you dropped one early. I thought I'd measure it out. I'd... Oh, my goodness. It's fine. We were in the throes of wine passion. I just, I just love talking the arts with you. I, 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 really, I forgot what it, I cannot believe we haven't talked in so many years. I forgot how much it, how we have in common, and how much we have to learn from each other. It's true. Well, well, to friendship and to our students who got us together, Hallie and Adrian. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. You are quite fantastic students. Bright young women, and we shall subscribe to your podcast. Yes, at Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine, that's all one word. And you can also follow them on Twitter at, at Blondes Wine. And also on the SoundCloud, which is a music streaming website. Excellent. Bottle Blondes Wine, all one word. They have two fantastic. Excellent. And more to come. More to come. More and to... a website, I hear, as well, Ex- soon. Yes. Ex- excellent. Uh, well, uh, this once again, this is <clears throat> former University of New Mexico professor of history of jazz, John Michael Higgins. Excuse me, my full name. John Michael Ashley Higgins oh, yes. Fourth, signing off. And this is um, <clears throat> current media studies professor at the University of New Mexico. 
I've been teaching for 20 years now. Yes, you said that, yes. Sir. Uh, my full name is John... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> my full name is Jeffrey Sarah Carmichael. And it has been a pleasure. A pleasure. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and on SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. That's blonde with an E, like in wine. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine at vineyards and whatnot, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Once again, that's blonde with an E. And if you want us to visit your winery or bottle shop, you can email us at bottleblondeswine at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>